All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Wheeled Rider Podcast presented by JT Motorsports. My name is Mario Orsini, joined by my co-host, Brian Boyer. He's actually remote tonight. I, uh, in the middle of the night, uh, what was it, last week, dropped off a, uh, a Yeti microphone on his back porch. I think his wife thought I was hiding in the woods that night, and one thought it was actually true that I just stopped by it. But, dude, I was busy, so how, how's the mic working out for you? I know I got it for you to do podcast stuff, but I know you've been using it on YouTube at this point. Yeah, Kind of uh, been cheating, you know, a couple test runs before, make sure it uh, works for the podcast, but it's amazing. I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned, used it over for some voiceovers. Sounds good. Uh, excited to see how the podcast turns out. Well, I mean, I'm glad we're not recording video tonight because we haven't done that in a few months and it does look like a black built dildo sitting there on your desk. So I don't want people freaking out over it. Don't just keep... Well, didn't you notice how I framed it perfectly? <laughs> you can't even see it. Yeah, no, that was a good idea wearing the darker colors there with the shading because it would have been awkward for at least me who can actually see it tonight. So anyway, listen, we just wrapped up the uh, SXCX race season. Um, <laughs> your your weekend was, was something else. Let's see. you. Uh, what, do you, do you want to recap it for folks how your weekend went? Can I take a drink first? Yeah, you might as well. I think we all need one after that weekend. Yeah, so a, a great venue. You pull into Virginia Motorsports Park is where it was at. Uh, beautiful location, nice wide road. Come into a nice, beautiful parking spot area. Go to park my camper, but my wife wanted to be a little bit closer to our friends. So she said, can we go into the infield? Uh, so I hit up my friends. No one answered. Obviously, they're busy working. Uh, my great friend Megan said, yeah, there's the tunnel. Just send it through there. Uh, you definitely said everyone else went through there. So I was cautious about it. It's my own fault. Um, I knew it was tight and I didn't get out and, and check and I kind of, uh, crushed my roof a little bit on the RV. Uh, so I was out there with my dad fixing it this weekend. So no harm, no foul. We're going to get that right for, for next year. Uh, and then we moved into the riding and, uh, my son Luke was out there riding really good. Um, I had to kind of calm him down. Normally I'm telling him, go faster uh it was one of those things hey this is just practice you're kind of getting a little squirrely on the jumps uh why don't we calm it down a little bit and then shortly after that conversation as i'm sure a lot of parents can relate <laughs> he went out there and uh crashed and, and knocked himself silly f and ended up uh fracturing his ankle so not the ideal weekend but he hung out on sunday and i got out there and swept road and uh got to watch everyone uh have a lot of fun it was a great track so bummed that it happened but it, it's it's part of the sports things happen yeah, so I decided not to park near all my friends, and I parked next to Tyler and his dog. Not that Tyler's not my friend. And we walked up to the uh, infield area, and I'm like, oh, there's the ambulance. I wonder who's hurt. And I see you on the track, but also saw Rod on the track, some other guys I knew. And then I saw the stretcher, and there's Luke. So obviously yeah, not a great start to the weekend. No, but I think it's kind of funny. I mean, you obviously hate this. See that I mean, I laughed your kid thirty seconds, but that's just because well, of, there's something. To wrong be with fair, me. Luke crashes a decent amount, but he's made of rubber, and, and normally he's right back up. But he did ring his his bell a little bit. But you know, there's always a positive out of all of this. I mean, the whole SXCS people family. 
Um, they were all right around him. Everyone was checking on him. The next day, while I was sweep riding, I think I stopped more just because people weighed me down to ask how he was doing. So th- th- that's just amazing to see the community that's in that uh, that series. Yeah, also while we're talking about that, a uh, quick shout-out to uh, Scott Robinson and his continued recovery. Uh, he had a... I don't know. Yeah, cardi- cardiac arrest there along the track. Uh, I don't. I'm afraid I'm gonna miss somebody. Brian Aldet, uh, Richie Brooks, A. W. Demont are there performing uh, chest compressions. He's been posting on Facebook a little bit. I don't know if he's out of the hospital, um, but he he was doing much better. He was cracking some jokes in the common area, so I, I know he's doing better. And uh, hopefully, see him back out at the track here before too long. Maybe not the best way to start a podcast about motorcycles and about how everyone's not doing so hot, but uh, everybody's going to make a full recovery. And you know, with, with anything you do, obviously some uh, some risk comes along with it. But uh, I did have fun hanging out with Luke in the camper on was it Saturday night? Uh, just because he was still a little loopy, and I got to mess around with him a little bit. So I think my first comment to him as he's being carried into the camper is why are you wearing a dress? And he said, it's a gown. And I was like, that's part of the Miss America competition evening gown. It's a dress. So yeah. Yeah. To be fair, they did cut off all his clothes. And then he's like, just bring me my clothes. I got a race tomorrow. So obviously he was pretty loopy because he was trying to to race and obviously he fractured his his ankle. And yeah, like you said, it was kind of funny just to kind of mess around with him while he's in that, that state. No, it was good. To, it was good to see him in good spirits back there. So, and and also just quick shout out, uh, Jordan Roberts uh, showed up at the track, and I say that you know because we just saw him in the video that went out today as a recording, eleven twenty three. He came with us on the Wild and Wonderful Weekend trip. He went out there and put a moto in in the uh, final round of SXCS. Uh, Noah Hallett from JT Motorsports, which we'll get to in just a moment, also uh, went out and finished fifth in his moto. I don't think the guys did the second motos of the event, but it's cool to see them out there. I think we'll see them out there a little bit more often. No, I know Noah has a background in in road racing, and Jordan's trying to get into the racing scene. You know, I saw him take his 790 adventure bike out there on uh, Saturday, and I actually saw a couple adventure bikes, and obviously we'll get to that later in this podcast, but I thought that was pretty cool just to get – and that's what's cool about this series is you can come out Saturday – try it out um and then if you feel comfortable and that's exactly what he did he came out he tried it out and said you know what i can race um so it got some first-time racers at least in the off-road world out there uh which is a true testament to what the series is doing yeah for sure so all in all it was a pretty good weekend we just had a few well for us minor set well yeah obviously. it was is all on me but <laughs> yeah it happens all right so we we got some people to thank let's get through them we've at least got one additional that we haven't had on here before then uh we'll take a quick commercial break and come back and do what we do best which is talk so at the uh contributor level once again if you don't know what these levels mean it's cool we're gonna play a commercial later and we'll explain it to you even though they've slightly changed eh, whatever just if you want to help out you can help out but at the contributor level, uh, Luke Harding, who we mentioned, Luke, speedy recovery to you. He, he was our first ever uh, contributor or uh, patron at any level. Dylan on Patreon, Alexander Marshall on Patreon, Bean and Leaf. At the production crew level, we have Amanda Nat from She Shall Ride, SRT AMA East, Hair Scrambles presented by Beta, Morgan Graves on Patreon, who I believe was out at the track this past weekend, uh, Travis Herman, we have Marshall3498, not his actual name, but his YouTube channel coming to us on Patreon. Joe Stelmack, um, 
And then and Joe's new, so welcome aboard, Joe. We get to see him out there this past weekend. His son was racing, uh, Ryder. Ryder put in a couple of good motos. Uh, executive producer level, Jordan Roberts, who we've already mentioned. Jeff Monacchio. I almost messed that name up, even though I text those guys half the time and ask me to remember how to pronounce it. But the next one I'll get right, Joe Monacchio. Alan Bound, uh, Paul Benton, Jeff Nolan. I've heard from most of those guys today because, like I said, that video went up and, you know, most of those guys were in the video, so they were commenting on it. Um, Paul Benton, Jeff Nolan. Brian Flickinger. I owe Brian an email back. Brian, I'll afford you Brian's email. He sent us a nice email the other day. And Neil Pence coming to us on Patreon. So, guys, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk adventure bikes. So, it'll be a good time. Be back in just a few moments. When Brian and I need something for our bikes, we head to JT Motorsports in Frederick, Maryland. It's not just parts we buy. We also buy motorcycles. Recently, I picked up a 2020 KTM 1290 Super Adventure R. Yeah, I wonder where you got that idea. But it is true. We don't just buy motorcycle parts. We also do buy motorcycles from JTs, and that's why I picked up a 2020 Husqvarna FE 350. That's right. I bought something that's not a KTM, but... It is made off the same assembly line. JT's recently moved into a brand new, huge facility, conveniently located just minutes off of I-270 and I-70. Their massive showroom floor holds brand new models from Polaris, Can-Am, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Husqvarna, KTM, and now specialized e-bikes. If you haven't tried an e-bike, you have to. Those things are so much fun to ride. And for the wee little riders, check out their line of Stasic Kids bikes, which are the perfect way to get youngsters involved in riding. Their showroom floor also features a huge selection of riding gear, accessories, and other essentials to keep your machines running good and looking good. They carry some of the top brands in riding gear, including Arai and Climb. Need parts for your bike? They keep a ton of parts in stock and ship daily. Heck, you even have the option to call, email, or text your parts orders in. If you don't like working on your own bike, that's okay because they have a full service department that will work on any maker model. Just mention the Two Wheeled Rider podcast when you call, email, text, or stop in the shop, and you'll immediately get a 10% discount on parts and accessories. Visit jtmotorsports.net or call 301-846-4318. And if you didn't write that down, don't worry. You can find it in the podcast show notes or YouTube video description along with their address. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, and we are back. Brian, tonight we are going to talk about I don't know what you want to call them, adventure bikes, ADV bikes, greatest motorcycles ever made, at least in recent history. Um, I concur. You sent me over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you sent me over the list of, uh, so it's just me and Brian tonight. We don't have any special guests. We, we, we are working on guests right now. We've got some great guests uh, that we're going to have on. We're just working out times and dates for them at the moment. So look for those on upcoming. Also, you're listening to this the uh, day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. So, Brian, you came up with these questions. I think it's something we're both going to answer, but you can fire off the first question at me, and then I'll just kick it right back to you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I thought it was a, a good topic since I, I recently picked up a 2020-1290 Adventure R, and it was love at uh, first ride, I guess you could say. Uh, so I think it's just important to kind of talk through it, and a lot of this is just learning to it and discussion on what's uh what's so attractive about the adventure bike i feel like the the market's definitely growing there's more uh bikes out there there's more people that i see on them um so i think the first question i have and i know you've been kind of a long time rider on the 1290 um so picking the right bike um 
one just if you do kind of decide on, on the right bike what attracts you to the adventure side and then how do you pick which bike is for you all right so first off you mentioned attraction there's nothing attractive looks wise about these bikes they for the most part i'll give the africa twin a little bit of credit but for the most part these are some of the ugliest bikes that are made <laughs> yeah. you, you ain't buying them for their looks you're buying them for their utility uh when it comes to picking the right bike i mean obviously the first thing is you need to make sure it's got some orange on it um, and then if it does have orange on it, you need to make sure it was made in Austria and not America. Now, obviously I'm just kidding. Um, you know, one of was the that, things was that, that a shot at the, uh, Harley potential adventure bike. Cause that one does possibly have orange. I don't know what they're coming out. <laughs> with or not anymore. going there. They, they don't, they don't even know what they're coming out with. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest questions I get on that is about ride height because ride height, something that. You know, if you're short, people are worried about, can I flat foot? Can I get the balls of my feet down? Can I get one foot down? Can I get no feet down? If that's if that's what makes you comfortable, you know, find something that's going to fit you ride height-wise. At the same time, most bikes can be lowered either by using a lowering link, sliding the forks up and the triple clamp. There are ways around it, but ultimately, I wouldn't let that decide my pick. You want to find something that fits you right, standing up on the pegs in an upright riding position, assuming, you know, you're planning on riding it off-road some. Um, I don't know about you, Brian. Like, unless I move back on the seat of my dirt bike, I, I don't flat foot that thing either. Now, admittedly, it's much lighter than my adventure bike is, which my adventure bike, you know, I can get both feet down without any sort of problem. But um, that's always one of the biggest things. People are like, why is the seat height so high? Well, that's what happens when you have a lot of ground clearance and you need a lot of ground clearance if you're going to be uh, covering off-road obstacles. But, you know, like any bike, to me, it comes down to, you know, obviously the fitment. The other thing is price point. To me, a KLR 650 is not an adventure bike. It's a dual sport. And I think, you know, personally, you is I don't even know if the KTM 690 is an adventure bike. That's a dual sport almost feel like you need to get to a twin engine motor before it becomes an adventure bike. And obviously that's up for debate. Um, find something that fits your budget, find something that's tunable. You don't want something that's got fixed suspension. You want something that, you know, has got adjustable suspension. You want something that's got spoked wheels instead of cast wheels. For a lot of people, it might not make a big difference, but if you start riding earlier stuff, you're definitely going to want the spoke wheels because you're just going to bust up the cast. I don't know. Talk to people that actually ride them. Talk to people of your similar skill level. And uh, ultimately, they make a lot of good bikes these days. It'd be tough to go wrong with anything that's got a true adventure bike label on it, assuming, you know, we're not talking about some of the, you know, budget ones that have come out. Nothing against the Honda 500. I don't really think that's a true adventure bike. The KTM 390 unless they come out with an R model, it's not a true adventure bike. But there are a lot of good adventure bikes out there. They're coming out with a lot of good midweights. You know, KTM's got one. Yamaha's got one. It's really going to be tough to go wrong. But if you're trying to decide between like a seven, 800 model and like a, you know, 1,000, 1,200 model, you know, are you going to do big touring trips or are you going to do more, you know, off-road trails? If you're going to do more off-road trails, maybe go lighter displacement. If you're going to do, you know, a little bit more road, go bigger displacement. So... That's my take on it. So you mentioned uh, some of the bikes not being classified as an adventure. In your opinion, what do you decipher the difference between an adventure bike and maybe more of a dual sport or not quite in that classification? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think twin engine, you know, or twin cylinder is, is the first box that's got to be checked. 
I'm just, you know, I'm going off the top of my head here, and I can't think of, and when I say twin, it could be twin, it could be triple, it could, you know, you, you, you could have a, a, you know, a four-cylinder motor. Uh, I know Ducati just came out with the Multistrada V4, um, but to me, you've got to have a couple of cylinders. People can argue that. It's just to me, if we're going thumper, that's a that's a dual sport bike, enduro bike. It's it's not an adventure bike. Um, you know, it's something that's that, that's cap you know a little bit higher horsepower, uh, something that's capable of doing highway comfortably, something that's capable of carrying a decent amount of luggage, something that's capable of riding off road on road. Uh, everybody's gonna have their own separate definition, and I know I'm beating up on the Kawasaki. But the same thing goes for like the XR650L. Everybody knows, you know, those are bulletproof motorcycles. To me, they're not adventure bikes; they're great dual sport bikes which are basically, you know, dirt bikes with higher displacement engines or maybe even smaller displacement engines. We're talking about the Yamaha 250s or, you know, the DRZ 400, something like that. But to me, it's it's multiple cylinders. And then it's the ability to cruise all day on the highway or, you know, have, have the uh, the ground clearance and the suspension travel to, to go right off-road. It sounds like the best of both worlds. Um, so who all makes adventure bikes? I know recently I saw Villapoto with a Yamaha and he got a Tenere. Our, our buddy Rusty has one. Um, I know Honda has the African Twin. Obviously, KTM's huge in the market. But if you want to kind of just talk through some of the, the models that are options out there for adventure bikes. You know, I'm trying to think who doesn't make one right now. Um, you know, Suzuki's got the V-Strom series. And... Uh, you know, in that, they have the V-Strom 650, the V-Strom 1000. They've made them more off-road capable. Uh, the aforementioned Tenere, or Tenere, however you want to pronounce it, uh, you know, they've got the bigger displacement, uh, either 1100, 1200, and then they got the, you know, the 700 model. KTM's got a slew of them, you know, from 1090s to, to 1290s. And they've had 1190s mixed in there. They've got a 790 now. They've got like three versions of the 790. they got the 390. You know, say what you want about it. I'm not entirely sure that's really an adventure bike. There's there's rumor that Husqvarna is going to come out with a, with an 890, or they're calling it the 901. That thing looks cool. Honda's got the Africa Twin. I think initially it started out as a 1,000. I think they bumped it up another few cc's. Uh, it's available to DCT. Uh, yeah, we said Yamaha, we said Suzuki, we said Honda. Kawasaki's the one that really doesn't have one yet, and I'm and I'm kind of surprised. Now you could throw, uh, you know, the the Versus in there, but <laughs> that's that's a stretch as to whether any of those Versus models are are really adventure bikes. Uh, Ducati's, you know, the, the guys known for road racing and, and MotoGP, even they have adventure bikes. They started out with the Enduro which I, I tested one of those. And that, to me, was a Maltestrada slightly modified. Then they came out with the Enduro Pro and then, you know, the uh, 1260 Enduro Pro. Those, those seem like legitimate adventure bikes. And now the new uh, Maltestradas, which I haven't ridden yet, I don't even know if they're available in North America. You know, they switched it up. I think they come stock with a 19-inch front, which obviously isn't a full 21 for off-road. But they're making that thing more adventure-like. Um uh, who's uh, Royal Enfield's got one that thing's like and again that doesn't like check the boxes for me a true adventure bike is a single but um no it's it's the most I don't want to listen I haven't looked at the sales numbers I would assume cruisers and you know and and full dressers are probably the most popular but amongst motorcyclists you know guys that are in 
I have to think the adventure bike market, it's probably not the biggest yet, but it's the fastest growing. Now, what about uh, Gas Gas? You think they'll come out with something? <laughs> Just oh, because I... they have the, you know, the KTM backing, I'd be curious. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, they just announced, I think it was earlier this week, that they're going to start racing Moto Three next season. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, let's be honest; it's a rebranded KTM. You and I both saw the gas. They already gas have the 65. testing and, and and the settings and and all that. But still, it's but cool main, to see. I mean, technically, another manufacturer <laughs> out there, right? Yeah, I mean, just just the name itself is cool, Gas yeah. Gas. And there'd just be something about riding a red bike that's really fast because it's made in Austria. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting. Like, it's cool what they're doing between KTM and Husqvarna right now where we're sharing a lot of the same parts. We know they're made on the same assembly line. I mean, obviously, in my garage, I've got some from both. But there's a little bit of difference. So I'll be interested to see how, you know, Gas Gas kind of separates itself apart from KTM, Hus- or KTM and Husqvarna. I'd love to see them come out with an adventure bike. I think it'd be cool as hell. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I don't know. I don't know what KTM has planned for him at this point, but you know, just the fact they picked up another manufacturer. I mean, we're already seeing on uh, the Supercross grid next year. We're we're gonna have six fact, I believe, six factory four fifties that are all built in the same factory, so just it, different colors. Yeah, it's a win win situation, right? <laughs> um, so talk. Let's talk about the the price point. Is I feel like a lot of these bikes that you mentioned, um, I. I I know uh, Rusty mentioned the Tenere is a really sweet price point, but it's lacking some of the power. Um, and then KTMs are, I believe, on the higher end of the, the dollar figure, but also have a lot of features already built in. So maybe kind of talk a little bit about some of the price points of the variety of adventure bikes. Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure people are already upset. I left BMW out earlier, and I didn't mean to. I was just looking at one of them the other day. Not Not looking to buy, but literally just looking at one of them the other day no you can't ignore um, them in the adventure market right like, no they're, i mean they're the popular. the gs is you know is a titan of the uh of the adventure bikes you know like most things you, you're gonna get what you pay for um you know you can make first off the the yamaha super tenor is a great bike uh and rusty came off an fjr and and part of the reason you know i like yamaha uh, but part of the reason I decided not to go with the Super Tenere is I didn't want to take a step back in horsepower, despite the fact the bike was a little bit lighter. Uh, I just I just didn't want to lose lose that horsepower going from an inline four to a, to a twin or you know a parallel twin. And you know I think he's on a twelve model. And you know if we go back a little bit further back before ride by wire, and so you don't get cruise control, you don't get some of these things. Uh, you can pick those bikes up pretty cheap. Same thing. You know, the biggest disappointment to me is when Honda came out with the Africa Twin in the U.S. and we didn't have ride-by-wire and we didn't have different fuel maps. We didn't have cruise control, but we were still charging, you know, uh, around the same price point as, as bikes that had all those things. And, you know, it's like Honda. Like, it always seems like they're about three years behind. They build a good quality, reliable motorcycle. But they wait till everybody else works all the bugs out before they come out with it. And by the time they come out with it, they're caught up for like part of a year and then somebody else comes out with something cooler. So price point wise, I think if we're talking, you know, 800, I don't know what that new Tenere costs, but, you know, just knowing what the, the KTM 790 costs, I think if we're, if we're talking brand new low teens and if we're going into that BMW and I don't know what the new Harley's going to cost, but 
Uh, if we're talking about the BMW, we obviously go all the way into the mid, and you know we might even bump the upper twenties. I mean, these aren't these aren't inexpensive motorcycles, but I, you know, and we'll probably get into this later. Uh, there, there's a reason why you're paying that much for them. Yeah. So do you do you view adventure bikes as a good first bike? I know you did a great review on the Kawasaki 400, uh, which is a, in a total different classification. But you mentioned that being a great first bike. Um, is the adventure bike uh, a, a good one to start with, or is it something you want to work your way up to? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Listen, like some of these bikes that are pumping out 150, 160, 170 horsepower, absolutely not. Uh, but it but it depends on what your background is. I mean, if you're coming from, uh, you know, off-road riding, off-road racing, and, you, and you've got a solid background in it, it might be something you're into, uh, and, and it may suit you. Uh, to me, you know, first bike-wise, I've always looked at dual sports as a great first bike. You know, DRZ 400, uh, KLX 250, uh, WR250, like, you know, something you can go drop on the asphalt, go drop in the dirt. You're not out that much money. You're not going to, you know, you've got scratches. You didn't break anything. Uh, adventure bikes to me, I don't know, probably second, second, third bike, something like that. Because I don't think anybody wants to go out and drop. They haven't, I mean, even some of the older ones, like, you know, the BMW 800s and stuff, you might, you can start to get those for some pretty good prices. But nobody wants to go out and drop that. If you're talking new bike, there's no sense in going out and dropping that kind of money on a brand new bike and not knowing if, A, it suits you or two. I even like riding motorcycles. So, and also, you know, it'd be one thing if you went out and dropped that kind of money on like a Harley or Indian or something because you're like, this thing looks cool as hell. If you think that about an adventure bike, then there's something wrong with you because those things are, they're all ugly. I mean, there's just, there's just no way around it. They're ugly motorcycles. Well, it helps a little bit more than when you drop it. You don't feel as bad, right? Because it's going to happen if you're, <laughs> you're taking the adventure bike where, where it needs to go. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're taking it off-road, that's definitely going to happen, and maybe that's why we, we don't make them so pretty. So. Yeah. Um, so what do you view as some of the benefits for an adventure bike over uh, some of the other um, bikes, if that's the route you want to take? So, I mean, to me, and I kind of mentioned this, like the price point's a little bit higher on it, but but I'm okay with that because of everything it can do. It's kind of, you know, I've had this conversation with many people. It's kind of like the Swiss Army knife of motorcycles. It's pretty good on back roads as like a sport bike. I mean, it's not an all-out sport bike. It's got more suspension travel. People got to get used to that if, if they're coming from an actual sport bike. Like they're used to three and a half inches of suspension travel in the front instead of like, you know, eight to ten inches. Uh, so it's going to compress. It's going to be a little bit softer. But, you know, on a on a kind of beat-up back road, those things are great. Uh, it makes a great, great sport touring machine. It makes a, a pretty good, you know, dirt road and gravel machine. Depending on which bike you have, what tires you have on it, you can go out and ride some pretty gnarly trail on it. Um, you know, you want to go tour around the country on it? You know, I may know a guy that's done that before. Like, you can go wherever you want on those things. And, you know, the other nice thing about them as opposed to, and again, it's nothing against dual sports. Dual sports have their purpose. Just like you and I ride around on, you know, like race dirt bikes. They have their purpose. But I don't know about you, like as, as off-road capable as my 350 is, I don't want to be changing the oil every 500 miles. Like it's just not going to work for me if I'm going to go out and do like a 5,000-mile trip where, you know, some of the service intervals on these bikes are 5,000, you know, 10,000 miles before, before we've got to change the oil on them. Cause obviously, you know, they've got a, 
they carry a lot more oil. They've got a better filtration system. That, that, that's what they're made to do. So, so to me, if you can only have one bike in your garage, it's, it's tough for me to say the adventure bike's not the best bet because I don't want to say it does everything great, but it does everything pretty good. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously that's kind of why I made the switch off the Yamaha FJR. I mean, it's a great bike, but it's kind of the same thing. I, I, I can't afford to have multiple bikes, and this was a bike um, that's going to do everything that I really wanted to do with it. And I think that's what's kind of neat about the bike is you, you can keep up with a sport bike if you have the right skill, right? It's got the power. It's got the cornering. Yeah, for sure. And then when the road ends... You, you can also just keep going, right? I think there's something to be said uh, on a bike that can do both of those things. So, you know, speaking of the FGR, you know, I had one of those in my garage too, and there was some overlap between that and my 1290, and it was, do I keep do I keep both or not? And I was like, ultimately, if I'm going to go ride, you know, if I'm going to go ride on a trip, you know, I want the 1290. If I'm going to go out and ride for an hour, I'm going to pick the 1290. There was never a point where I thought, well, I'm going to pick the FJR over it because they're both, what do you want to call them, adventure touring and sport touring. Either way, I was going to do, you know, fun back road stuff and, you know, longer touring stuff on them. But, you know, the deciding factor is, well, I can take the 1290 off-road. And, listen, I took my FJR off-road a couple of times, but you know as well as I do, that thing bottoms out pretty quick. It it ain't a whole lot of fun off-road, so... Yeah, I think you can notice that in the the latest Wild and Wonderful video you put up. Uh, <laughs> I think you poked fun at me. Like I thought you were an off road rider, but yeah, sure enough, yeah, I bottomed no. out and then I got squirrely. And uh, I watched you guys in the video go across the, in the twelve ninety with the better clearance, and I'm just like, Ur. and uh, to be fair, it's kind of funny just mentioning that video is when I saw you come through that kind of water hole. Um, uh, where were we uh, near Blackwater Falls? Yeah. Um, and I, when I saw that, I knew I was buying a 1290. Didn't know when, uh, but I was getting an adventure bike when I saw how well you could go through that. And I'm like picking my line, like real cautiously grounding out, you know, bottoming out and, and hearing my bike. And I'm just like, yeah, I got to I just grab some throttle and rip through it. And to be fair, like your, your 1290R, I mean, you got a 21-inch front where I'm running a 19-inch front and that thing still does that well off-road, so um no i mean they're they're like i said there's swiss army knife of bikes i'm not trying to talk anybody into one but if you can only have one motorcycle and you've got you know some aspirations of you know doing some off-road stuff and doing some touring stuff you get the right displacement bike and you can do anything you want on it so i think some people may argue about the bike being more uh you know a different bike being more comfortable and maybe an adventure bike can't uh do the long motorcycle travel obviously you've taken a trips but i want to specifically ask you did an iron butt on your fjr and you also recently did an iron butt on your 1290 maybe talk through um any differences you felt was the 1290 more uncomfortable uh more comfortable uh what were the big differences on a, a long trip like that in a very short amount of time I mean, typically speaking, the difference between a sport touring bike and a, an adventure bike is usually I have more leg room on the adventure bike, and that's that's the case here. Like, my um, my FJR, you know, feet are a little bit further back, knees a little bit more cramped, not not knocking the bike, you know, like I had a highway pegs on it, still comfortable. 
Uh, we're also talking about some technology differences between, you know, an 08 and a 16, you know, with cruise, without cruise, with electronic suspension, without electronic suspension. Um, but the ergonomics on the adventure bike are pretty comfortable. And, you know, you don't even really, you know, when, when it comes to like sport touring bikes, we've got like Healy riser bars and stuff like that. And they all work great when it comes to most adventure bikes we just use regular riser bar kit just like you would for a dirt bike i mean there's really not a whole lot of difference between them so it keeps the cost a little bit less and the aftermarket is so huge for the adventure bikes at this point that it's pretty easy to get whatever the hell you want for those things and and get it totally customized whether it's bags or you know suspension or you know bars bar ends bar bar uh wraps on it whatever it is you want there's so many different things out there i actually Granted, there was a mileage difference. The route's different. You know, I I called you during that iron butt ride, and I was like, yeah, I could have bumped up 1,500 within 24 hours of that. I just didn't have it planned out. Uh, Super comfortable on on the adventure bike. And I get everyone's going to be different, but the Yamaha compared to the KTM, the KTM was awesome. Fortunately, the fuel pump didn't die on that trip, or I might have cried. If I was like a hundred miles short, <laughs> yeah, that, I would. I would have cried. I would. Yeah, that would not have been good. Yeah. So maybe let's uh, do one more question before the break. Okay. Um, around two up riding, I, I know in the latest Wild and Wonderful, you got my wife out on there. Um, yeah, Noah just wait till you see video two of there. What's I, that? Just wait till you see video two. That's when. That's when things get interesting with her on the back of my bike. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know secretly she enjoyed it. She was. Uh, busting about it just because i think she didn't want me to go buy one but once i bought one she was like hey can we go run lunch can we run an errand on the bike so she was jumping on it so i'm hoping that kind of means that she's comfortable on it but based on your experience i know you've done a lot of two-up riding on your bike um what's the feedback you've gotten um from the passenger and i keep in mind i've never i mean i've tested out some gold wings tested out you know the the bmw 1600 Listen, any passenger for the most part is going to like that bike better than an adventure bike. But if we're going to compare it to sport touring bikes or any other type of bike, it's kind of tough to beat it. There, There's typically a little bit more legroom seat. I don't know. It depends on the bike. You know, some people love the stock seat. Some people hate the stock seat. Some people love the $500 aftermarket seat. Some people hate it. I just like my $100 sheepskin and just go ride and stop bitching. But... There's there's usually a decent amount of leg room on there for the passenger. Um, additionally, almost all of them are set up where you can put on top cases with a backrest, so they've, they've got the back support. If you go with a little bit fancier bikes, we've got you know heated seats. We you know we've got some cool stuff on there. I probably did more miles. You know I've probably done more miles two up, uh, with the exception of maybe Alaska, uh, on on my adventure bike than I did on my FJR. So. You know, I've gotten good feedback from them, except when your wife's lying to me and you and tell me and you that she didn't like the bike and then you bought one yeah. and she likes she, it. So. Yeah, she's been riding it. So yeah. same thing, though, I think, yeah, as you mentioned, I think she's looking forward to making sure I get the top case and, and having that backrest is huge. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I just like having it on there. So when Noah's sitting on the back and I gas it, he doesn't fly off the back of it when he's not paying attention. Well, that, yeah, that's my big thing. I've taken Luke out a couple times, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. Sometimes they go into like La La Land, and I just like when there's the backrest there. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Because especially when you got that 1290 power. Yeah, and and sometimes, you know, I either have a headset hooked up to Noah or I'll stop at a stoplight, just make sure he didn't fall asleep back there. So. 
the, I, yeah. I don't want to leave him alongside the road. Sometimes I do with the way he acts, but for the most part, I kind of like to hold on to him for a little while longer. Yeah, I wanted to show Luke some of the power, and you know, I turned that traction control off in the 1290, <laughs> did some wheelies, and he comes home and is like, Mom, we did wheelies. And I was like, That's not what you want to tell her. No, that's not <laughs> yeah. something you should tell your mom. So, no. we wanted to take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit more and wrap this bad boy up. Sounds good. All right. Hey guys, Mario here. If you'd like to help support the Two Wheeled Rider podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Two Wheeled Rider. For as little as $2 a month, you can be a contributor. You'll get an on-air thank you, your name listed on twowheeledrider.com as a contributor, and 10% off any order on twowheeledrider.com. For $5 a month, you'll get everything I just listed, plus a two-wheeled rider sticker pack and a handwritten thank you letter from Brian and me. And if you want to be a big spender and go up to 10 bucks a month, this is where things get interesting. Not only will you get everything I listed, you'll get a social media follow back by Brian and I, but the coolest part is you will be granted early access to sign up for any two-wheeled rider riding event. And if you followed these events in the past, you know they sell out in literally minutes. So this will be a way to pretty much guarantee your spot and come along on an epic ride. But if you don't want to mess with Patreon, head on over to twowheeledrider.com and click on the podcast tab. Any credit card or PayPal account will do. We have all the same options we have on Patreon. In addition to that, we have a one-time contribution should you not want to do a subscription and you just like to donate to the show, that would be great. And we also have a whiskey sponsor. I'm not going to go into the details on that one. You can read up for them yourself. And in addition to all of this, once we hit $100 a month in monthly pledges, we are going to give away a Rocky Mountain ATV MC gift card in the amount of $100 to one of our Patreons or contributors to the podcast. But we understand if you don't want to support us monetarily, and we are totally cool with that. We just hope you enjoy the podcast. It would be awesome if you could give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, and uh, maybe share it with someone else you think may be interested. All right, and we are back, and hopefully I've updated that ad before this podcast goes live. We'll see how much time I have tomorrow as I'm as I'm editing this stuff in post. All right, so we are back. Brian, what we got next? Um, so I think, you know, in our, in our group of um, friends and extended friends, uh, recently I've seen more and more adventure bikes coming into the picture, or even riders that uh, maybe didn't think they'd get an adventure bike talk about it. Um, so recently I know one of our past podcast um, uh, guests, uh, Rusty, he switched over to the Tenere. We had some Harley riders even on our, our podcast, and they started talking a little bit about uh, – maybe adding to their arsenal and getting an adventure bike. Um, so what do you think's attractive to, to some of these and why they're, they're switching? I know Rusty came off of a, the same bike at FJR that I did, and I know my reasons, but uh, what do you think some people are interested in it? Chicks dig them. Because <laughs> the looks, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't think you can say that anymore. No, um, you know, somebody commented on today's video, and I had the guy on the 390 do I was like, he did great. And then he went out and bought a used Super Tenere. And, you know, we had another guy on there that was on a, on a KTM 790 Duke, and he went out and bought an Africa Twin. I don't know. I mean, it's a few things. We've all watched, I don't know if you have, but at least most of us have watched, you know, Charlie Borman and Ewan Gregor ride across the world on adventure bikes. 
cool. It makes you feel like you can go anywhere you want. And if, and if you've got the right bike, you've got it set up properly, and you've got the right riding skill, you pretty much can take it anywhere you want. Where I know if I go out, you know, on a, on a sport bike, it's got limits. I go out on a cruiser, it's got limits. I go out on a dirt bike, it's got limits. It's different limits. Like, maybe we can go out and ride some gnarly off-road, but it ain't going to be much fun going down the highway. You know, it's not going to be much fun on a 55-mile-an-hour windy road because we're going to have it topped out the entire way. And if it's you and I, we probably don't have DOD knobbies to make it legal anyway. (laughs) No. But, you know, with the adventure bikes, I I think a lot, you know, it's kind of like owning a Jeep. You own a Jeep Wrangler, you got the right riding skill, you got the right tire, or driving skill, you got the right tire. You can kind of go anywhere. It's kind of like the anywhere machine. And it's, again, it's pretty good at everything. It's not great at any one thing, but but it's pretty good at everything. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier. Not everybody can afford to have however many bikes you have in your garage. I'll just leave it that way because <laughs> um, I don't know anymore. Uh, but you want one bike, you can afford one bike. It, it's kind of tough to uh, turn that down. So, no, I've heard good things from guys that have picked them up. You know, Rusty's been out torn on his. He's going and done some off-road. Uh, you know, Jeff was uh, out riding earlier this week and, you know, getting into slightly nasty conditions. And, hey, the bike bike does a good job at it. Uh, they're making some great adventure bikes. I think the other big thing is it seems like the manufacturers are putting a lot of R&D into the adventure bikes, which is going to lead to even better bikes. So, you know, it's the hot ticket right now. Will it be five years from now? I don't know. I'll probably still be riding around on one of those old, ugly things. But, um, you know, it may, maybe uh, maybe tastes change. But right now, that it's, it's the do-everything, somewhat affordable. The other thing is, and this is something we don't touch on right now, there's not a lot of younger people riding them. Not to say you got to be old to ride one, but there's not a lot of younger people riding them. I think it keeps the insurance down a little bit versus going out and buying, you know, like, you know, a, you know, a CBR 1000 or, or you know, a, a Yamaha R1 or something like that where your insurance premiums are high because the bikes aren't expensive and everybody wants to go fast. Uh, you know, it's just all around affordable and they get okay fuel mileage. Depends on how much you're in the throttle. No, I think, you know, touching on what I enjoy about it is I've started searching for different roads that, you know, I've been on like just Googling gravel roads in Maryland, West Virginia, Virginia, and just going out and searching where before I was like, oh crap, what's this road going to turn into or where's it going to go? Maybe I need to turn around because maybe it's going to get a little beyond what my street bike can do where now I'm like, yes, I can't wait to see where this goes. Dude, that that was so, I went out and test road a 1290 like two weeks before I left for a big cross country trip. Like I rode out to Yellowstone and I just remember while I was riding out there, I'd see like these dirt roads that would just vanish off into the distance in my mind going, you know, if I had that 1290, I could find out where that road ends up. Yep. And, and I wouldn't be scared because I know the bike would be capable of it. At the time, my riding skills would not have been, depending on what we ran into. But no, that's kind of the fun thing. Like, you want to go out and explore. And who, who knows what you're going to run across. And, and even if you get into, like, you know, kind of nasty section, you can still get it turned around. You know, you can still get out of there. And, you know, you can get back out, you know. You've got the suspension travel. You can go hammer down on it. it that's what they're made to do versus, you know, being out on your street bike. You know, somebody's driveway all of a sudden becomes, you know, can become sketchy. You know, we don't have to worry about that. No, I'd With find the those right roads. Tires. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what 
I really enjoy now is before I wanted to find out where those roads were, but I just, I was nervous of what it would turn into. And it was a little sketchy where now I'm actually seeking out those roads. And it's not a road that I would take with my, my truck or my street bike, uh, just because like normally you're trying to go from point A to point B and just get there. Um, where now I'm just out searching for all these unique roads and, and exploring. And I think that's, what's the bike yeah, riding is all about. You're having fun. Yep. yep. That's why we ride. Um, so I think another big piece when people are deciding about a bike um, is around maintenance. And I think that's why I originally uh, went with FJR. Um, I wanted something for sport touring and you mentioned it being kind of real low maintenance. Um, maybe talk about some of the adventure bikes. And I know it's a loaded question because each one's a little different, but is there any big major maintenance concerns that are different than some of the touring bikes? Um, anything that you, you would call out as more challenging or, um, than some of the other ones. If you're riding a KTM, get an extra fuel pump. It's going to be an ongoing theme for the life of this podcast. No, I mean, the big thing is, I mean, depending on if you're going Japanese or European manufacturer, your European manufacturers typically have tighter service intervals, though they keep pushing those bad boys out. So I'm not really that concerned. And if you can do some basic maintenance yourself, you know, valve checks aren't that big a deal. Valve adjustments aren't that big a deal. Uh, and there's really no cost. What you're paying for is the labor. So if you're looking at like parts cost, you know, we're looking at, it's, it's basically the same on almost all of them. I mean, you know, BMW has the uh, shaft drive. Yamaha has the shaft drive. Most other manufacturers are chain drive. Pick which one you like. I, I'm fine with chain drive. Like it's cheap to replace. If it breaks, I can fix it alongside the trail. Shaft drive, not a whole lot of work to do. Easy to maintain. So Problem is, if it does crap the bed on you, good luck fixing that alongside the trail. Um, you know, oil changes are 5,000, 10,000 miles. God only knows what Ducati's trying to stretch them to now. They keep stretching them out further and further. But I don't know. It, the, the bigger displacement bikes, the, the, the top-notch manufacturers, be the, the Japanese manufacturers, the European manufacturers, meaning, you know, mainly KTM, uh, BMW, Ducati, Ducati's a little more temperamental, just my experience. Uh, it's a little more quirky, a little bit harder to, you know, find a dealership that'll service those as opposed to probably BMW. I feel like KTM dealerships are coming on a little bit better now. Um, just the starting of the Ducati near power lines. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Listen, anything with a key fob run the other way, but no, I mean, they're, they're motorcycles. They, you put gas in them, change the spark plugs, change the air filter, check the valves, put tires on, go ride the hell out of them. Every, everybody, for the most part these days, makes a great bike. So I don't, pick, what, pick out which one, you know, the color you like the best or which one you think looks coolest. I don't care. Just go out and ride the hell out of the thing. You're having a great time on it. And buy awesome. the one you can afford, yeah. obviously. Uh, so I, I selected and switch the 1291 just because I felt more at home. I have an off-road background, uh, but maybe talk about um, someone that's been more on just street bikes their whole life. Will they adapt well to the adventure um, bike? I don't know. Are we keeping it on the road or are we going off-road? I mean, honestly, I mean, you know I have more of a road background. I just started riding off-road the last few years. I really started riding off-road to get better on on the adventure bike at the same time these are well-balanced machines they've got plenty of rider aids there's plenty of great tires available you can totally tune the settings on them 
You're not going to turn you into Chris Birch. But if you want to go out and ride like, you know, what, what some people consider tough stuff, but, you know, depending on your skill level, like now at this point, like dirt roads and gravel roads are just, you know, that's a, you know, not, not a level, but you know, like easy stuff, yeah. you know, um, for some people, you know, you're on a big, you know, cruiser or something that ain't easy stuff. Um, so it really depends on skill level. Do you need an off-road background? No. Maybe you just want a bike that you're going to ride 90% on road. And I want to go hit up some fire roads every once in a while. Great. Go get one. You'll be fine on it. Keep the rider aids turned on. And I don't think you have any problems. You want to go out and ride single track on it. You you want to go out and ride some muddy stuff on it. You probably gonna have some problems and that thing's heavy to pick up. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of riding schools. There's plenty of training programs. There's plenty of, uh, like controlled touring things you can do on those things like rawhide and, you know, some of those groups, but you know, would an off-road background help? Yeah, probably. It, it probably would help, but don't let that limit you. Like if that's the type of bike you want, then just get that bike. Go out and learn how to ride it. Yeah. But if you have the right tool, I mean, I, I have a heavy off-road background, you know, as an A-class dirt bike rider. And if you saw me crossing that bridge on my FJR, you would think I never rode before. But but part of that is, like you said, I don't know, I was messing with you via text and you're like, dude, I think bottomed out in like a pair of seconds. I'm like, yeah, I get it. They just don't have the suspension travel. And that's one of the nice things you get with the adventure bike is that added suspension travel. And it makes life a hell of a lot easier when you're going and riding off-road. Absolutely. Um, so maybe we just give a, a tease now and start talking about what we got planned for, for next year. Uh, you know, obviously now we both have adventure bikes. We have, um, some friends, Tyler has been on the podcast. Rusty has been on the podcast. We all have adventure bikes. Um, obviously with your YouTube channel and doing the wild and wonderful weekend, I think this opens up to maybe doing some different things, um, for those that have adventure bikes. So maybe let's talk through some of, uh, what you think we got planned for this upcoming year dude you know pete was texting me yesterday who's who's all laid up right now with a shoulder injury he just had shoulder surgery recently and he's like can we book something for march and i'm like i don't even know what the weather's gonna be in march like if the weather's good yeah let's do it um you know i don't know that we're giving anything away because we we kind of talked about doing it this year obviously you would have been left out of the loop at least you know th- at the time we were looking at it but, you know, I did, I tried to do half of the Mid-Atlantic BDR before the uh, before the flat tire. Like, do all that next year. I think there's a handful of us looking at doing that. I've had some people commenting that they'd like to do that as part of the channel or invite some people along to be a little selfish, but, you know, also safety-wise. Um, I think we'd like to go do that as a small group first, uh, which, which will be interesting. Uh, you know, Tyler and I have, you know, Fairly extensive touring backgrounds, a little bit of off-road skill, very little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, you know, we got we got you, A-level off-road rider. We've got Rusty, not really any off-road riding experience, but done a little bit of touring. And you got Pete, track day instructor. I don't know what's <laughs> well, going to happen on that trip, that, except we're going to have a hell of a lot of fun. Right yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we're, you know, I think, well, you and Tyler are the youngest, I think, and I you know, I don't know who's older, Pete, Rusty, like I'm somewhere in between. Uh, we got all different ages. We got all different skill sets. We got anything from a 650 to a, you know, we got three 1290s. Um, we got a little bit of everything. And I, I think it's going to be fun. And if we go out and have a good, I know we're going to have a good time on it. The, the coolest part of us, when you and I were talking about this, like night two of the BDR anyway, 
We're all staying in our own houses because it's pretty much passes right, right back trail. through. Yeah. yeah, which which makes it nice. Yeah, uh, but I think that's what's kind of cool about the the MABDR. I think one. Um, this one I hear is one of the easiest ones, right? Um, I mean, if I could do most of it last time, except for that flat, I mean, we know it's not that difficult. Yeah, but I think it's still, it's a cool experience, right? And I hear there's a lot of cool stops. I mean, I've been watching a ton of videos about it. So really looking forward to that. I know it's not as technical as the ones out West or maybe the one that's uh, up North, yeah. uh, north, north in East. New England, but it's still going to be a blast. And like you said, we got a, a lot of great people, a lot of great personalities. Uh, it's going to make for a, a fun trip. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what about, um, I don't know, you touched on this a little bit before, so we're talking about the BDR, but then you can also do stuff like, uh, cross country. Um, so any real quick, because we've touched on the cross country yeah. advice, what, uh, one to two things would you suggest if I try to take a cross country trip on the adventure bike? All right. Take a fuel pump. And, uh, no, I mean, seriously, though, seriously, take a fuel pump so you don't get stuck. It's about being but, prepared, but, right? Cause you yeah. don't want to be stuck along the road. Yeah. Bring your bike over to my house. I'll go over it. You'll be fine after that. Um, <laughs> no, about cross country trips. Like you want a good toolkit. Like I know we've talked about some of this stuff in the past. Honestly, just go ride the thing, pick out a cool route. I don't know what I'm going to, I'd like to do a cross country trip next year. Part of me wants to just hammer down and get out to Utah and go ride, you know, south, you know, the southern part of Utah. I was going to say southeastern, but really all the southern parts of Utah for like, I don't know, four or five days and then turn around and ride back. But then I miss Deadwood, South Dakota. And for whatever reason, I love that place. And then how do I, how do I get that in there? I don't know. I'll figure it out. But no, I mean, decide, you know, in your case, I, I don't know that you know, with what you've done so far, I'd want to do more than like a week long trip yet. I mean, if you get one of those tune ups in, you're like, yeah, I can do this Then Then go do a couple week trip. Um, my only other advice, hammer down through the Midwest, my friend, just get the hell through there. Cause it all looks the same and it's all flat and it's all straight. Yeah. Well, I got to go in a drain four three pointers just to one up. You yeah. There. You got to one up me with, with four threes. I, st- I stopped while I was ahead. I didn't want that miss. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so I know we've talked about the other thing and it, it might not be happening this next year because it's a huge commitment and time commitment, but I figured while we're on the adventure bike, um, talking a little bit about what the tat trail is and then any future plans of, a, a attacking that and is a big, uh, adventure bike, the right bike for that. All right, so the Trans-American Trail, um, there's different guys with different maps out. Ultimately, what we're looking at, depends on where you want to call this stuff, Outer Banks to Oregon, mainly off-road through, you know, tons of different terrain. I think what we were kind of looking at for 2022 is maybe pick it up around Tennessee. Nothing against the Outer Banks. I love them. What are we going to do? Right across the beach down there? Like, there's, it's what it is. Um, I'd rather pick it up around Tennessee. Will we make it all the way out to Oregon? I don't know, dude. I don't know if I want to go to a place where you're supposed to call on your neighbors for having Thanksgiving dinner. Also, you know, I don't know that we'll have enough time. So, you know, if we can get out to Colorado, uh, I'd be happy with that. If we go Tennessee to Colorado, I feel like we pull that off in a couple of weeks. I realize everybody has time constraints. Not everybody can take, you know, a super long amount of time off. Um, adventure bike, the right way to go. 
I'd say you want to be comfortable. You're doing a long trip. Could you do it on something cheaper, something lighter? Sure. And if you want to, all the power to you. Uh, me, also, I'm not camping out, just just so you guys know. We can go ride 200 miles a day, but I'm sleeping in a hotel at night. And find me a Hampton Inn or something. Um, but, you know, maintenance-wise, we can do the entire trip with, you know, assuming we don't have any, like, crashes, That's which, you know, was some tip-overs, whatever. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. Um, shouldn't have to do much maintenance. I mean, might need might need a set of tires or, or two because those those big uh, high horsepower bikes chew them up a little bit quicker. But um, no, I mean to me it's 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 the bike to have. Also, if you want to get back home in a day or you know in a couple of days, getting out to Utah, like I can ride home from Utah in three days on you know my twelve ninety. Ain't doing that on a DRZ four hundred. Like it's just it's just not gonna happen. So. Um, everybody's got their way they want to do it. I know some guys go out and pick like a couple of sections at a time to ride. I think our plan would be let's ride as much of it as we can within the time constraints we have and see how far we can make it through Colorado. And if we make it further, awesome. Yeah, I think you brought up some great points, and it's what eventually led me to the the twelve ninety because I think I talked to you about some of my bucket list items. It was to kind of find more off road style roads like the BDR and other stuff like that. I want to do a cross country trip. Um, and I want to do the tat trail and, you know, I think I talked to you about going, well, maybe I trade in my dirt bike and I get a 500 KTM and then I can do that for all my off-road events and then do the tat trail with that. And I think your biggest thing you called out is, are you going to be doing oil changes every day? Do you really want to do that? Yeah. You Uh, need, you need to carry a camel bag full of oil because, (laughs) and there's nothing against that bike. Like the 500 would be an awesome bike to adventurize, but given it's limited oil capacity, nah. Well, I just think I could, before buying the 1290, I just thought I could go way faster and go, I could make up more time. But after riding the 1290, I adapted really well and could realize that this bike's fully capable on gravel off roads and you can, you can cruise right along. Yeah. As long, as long as we're not doing like super tight single track, things awesome. So, yeah. And like to your point, when you get to where you want to go, I don't think you want to hammer home on through the Midwest on a 500. <laughs> no, no, not at all. We'd have to pull over and change the gearing and we'd be going through tires. Like it just, and if you decide to run bib mooses, those things would be cooked midway through Kansas. So nah, it's, I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with somebody that does the bike on, but everybody does it differently. And I think with what, the way we want to do it, it makes more sense to be on the, I say bigger displacement motorcycles. Like, listen, even like a 700 twin would be fine, but you, you guys get what I'm saying. Absolutely. All right. So last thing I have, and I think we've kind of thrown around the idea, semi-joking, but also serious. My, my background's all in dirt bikes. So I'm wondering what the capabilities are with these adventure bikes. Um, I want to enter it into a race, um, but some people already beat me to it at the last SXCS. I, I don't think anyone entered, but I saw... Um, some adventure bikes out there. I know Jordan, uh, who's one of our supporters, he was out there on the 790 taking it around and took it through the woods loop, actually helping sweep ride in the morning. So it was pretty cool to see that out there. Um, so would you ever see yourself taking your bike on an off-road race or, or do you see kind of a class for that? Um, or is it just entertainment? <laughs> I mean, who was it? Mike Lafferty put yeah. one in. Yeah. Yeah. In a national enduro. <laughs> yeah, that dude's a beast, though. Yeah. Outside of him, why? Like, <laughs> I mean, granted, I know we've kidded around about it. You've got one. I've got one. Tyler's got one. Uh, uh, Dietrich's got one. I'm probably missing somebody off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Jordan's got one. 
right track, could we, with the right tires on them, go out and get around the track? And I say we, like, I know a couple of you guys would could, but at respectable paces, I don't know. But it would, be, it, listen, it would be entertaining. We get smoked by children on 65s, <laughs> yeah. and we're on 160, 170 horsepower motorcycles. We would get, I mean, if it's got long enough straightaways, we can make it back up, but I, no, it, it's got to be dry, too, because in the mud, this thing's just going to spin up. Um, no, off-road race, now, I'm talking East Coast. West Coast? Maybe. You get out in the desert, you get out in those open areas where it's all about high speeds, yeah, I could, I could see that happening, but... Yeah, don't they have like the Vegas Torino? I don't know what a lot yeah. of people ride out there. If it's mainly yeah. f- like Baja four fifties, like even the Baja, yeah, like, I, think- I don't see big adventure bikes entering. Right, even with no. a big open landscape, they're still on. Well, also with Baja, right? they they have kept them out displacement wise, which is why you don't see that. They ca- uh, okay. I don't remember what year it was. They kept them out at four fifties. Just keep it, you know. Whatever. Maybe safe just going across yeah. those deserts yeah. at like 150. Yeah, I, I can't imagine doing that. I mean, because yeah. you eat it. I mean, yeah, sand's a little bit softer than the asphalt, but not really. No, nah, not a pretty sight. So, no, so I think uh, that's all the questions I had, but I, I think it's kind of cool just to see uh, all the capabilities of the adventure bike. That's honestly why I switched was all because of just having that Swiss Army knife of bikes that you mentioned earlier. I have one bike that can travel cross country and do all on road. I can hit a gravel road, and not be scared and, and start exploring there or even go a little off road um, riding around. So I think it's a, a great all around bike and I'm excited to further look into all the capabilities yeah i mean for guys like you and me they're great other people are gonna listen to this tonight and go i like my full bagger i like my gold wing i like my cruiser that's great like whatever you like to ride go ride it um but if you're if you looked at adventure bikes and said eh, it'd be kind of cool but they're ugly you're right it is cool but they are ugly but if you think you'd have fun on it I don't see the bike when I'm riding it anyway. And even when I post pictures of it, it gets more likes than I do. So I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's something out there. It's something worth trying. It is. If you haven't ridden one, go ride one. You might find you like it. You might find you don't, but we've kind of given you our reasons tonight. Why, why we like it. So, or why we like them. So awesome. Well, a lot of great information. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to go over? You good? No, I think that, that's it. Um, like I said, I'm excited for what this year is going to bring on the, on the adventure bikes. Uh, you know, I've been super happy with it and uh, can't wait to see what uh, 2020. One, two, 2021, 2021, running together this year, yeah. 2021, two, three, I'll take any of them. Yeah. Um, no, dude, listen, enjoy talking to you tonight. We'll, uh, it's after my bedtime. It's like 11, 11 o'clock at night. I got to get up and go to the gym in the morning. Um, cause I, I gotta stay in shape to ride these adventure bikes. Cause that's, that's the only way I can beat you is stay in a little bit better shape because I ain't got the riding skill. Um, no, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's podcast. If you have any questions, uh, you can shoot us an email at two WR podcast at gmail.com. You can also go over to the two world rider Facebook page, leave us a comment there. Uh, once again, uh, you know, hope you guys all have a happy Thanksgiving, assuming you celebrate that. And if you don't, well, just have a great Thursday because I'll be stuffing my face. So, um, if you enjoyed tonight's podcast and you're listening to it on your favorite podcast platform, be sure to give us the highest rating possible. Also like leave us a review. I might even repost that on my Instagram account. If you didn't like the podcast, 
I don't know why you stayed listening to this long, but please don't leave us a, a rating. Like, just just maybe give us another try. Uh, once again, my name is Mario Orsini, joined by Brian Boyer. We'll talk to you guys again soon.